So I guess at this point we'll like insert music and things. A theme song. Of sort, yeah. Some kind of a thing. A jingle. I'd like it to be like the context of sound. Doom. It's the context of sound. Like America. kind of like the uh coffee. Morning yeah. time. <laughs> Family. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the context of sound. Welcome to the context of sound. Yeah. Um, so this is it's a new podcast and what our aim is to, we aim to please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Number one. that's the first thing. Absolutely. <laughs> we aim to please. We want it to be good. We don't want to suck. So um, that's, yeah. that's a good first goal, I think. And we want to just sort of go into, I mean, it's sort of like a VH1 behind the music, if you will. Pretty much, because there's an absolute lack of like really in-depth, by in-depth, I mean kind of like loosely based on <laughs> facts, facts. <laughs> uh, sort of coverage, like a light, high-level glossing a dusting over. A of dusting, facts. A dusting of facts. And Amongst just, commentary. Absolutely. Uh, and some like flashy, you know, visuals. But this is a podcast, <laughs> so there aren't any. <laughs> all of the flashy visuals are gone. So all you're left with is the, the kind of bullshit. Uh, yeah. But that's what we're going to do. <laughs> N- Nando's and banter. Oh my God, Cheeky Nando's and banter of music. Oh God. So yeah, so um, so and each week we're gonna pick a different um, we're gonna pick a different theme. Oh, by the way, um, oh yeah, I so forgot. I'm Sam Sparrow. My name is Thomas. Thomas Francisco. Thomas. Thomas Francisco. <laughs> like who the fuck does that? I don't know. Sorry. Like Whatever. Bond I don't know why it. I just did that. That okay. Fine. <laughs> um. So yeah, this, that's Thomas Francisco. I'm Sam Sparrow. Well, I guess I didn't know if I wanted hosts. to be like known by a singular name, like <laughs> like a Beyonce. I could just go by Thomas. Or like Dave, the rapper Dave. Yeah. Yeah. I could just be like him. Yeah. But there's like Thomas the Tank Engine. That is true. I mean, people Whatever. might be like, okay, anyway. okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyways. Anyways, welcome to this podcast. <laughs> Enough about me already. So now that we're, or we've started off right, which is like with a steaming pile of shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, no, so we're going to pick a theme each week. Yeah, I guess. Well, first, before we even talk about a theme, let's talk about what we're even talking about. Oh, music. Music. Yeah. Oh, remember that? Remember that one thing? Remember that thing you guys they used to play on the radio? Um, yeah. So like little known fact, we are like fans of music mm-hmm. uh, and uh, within the sense of what makes it and like why is it and like who made it and like what's the the life behind it and the people behind it and all that stuff exactly and i feel like a lot of people are like i mean obviously you you go into the backstories of you know so and so wrote this album you know when they were going through it with so and so and you know like the like think of Rumors, like what is the album Rumors by Fleetwood Mac if it's not known without like the drama behind it or if whatever, you know? If it's not literally rumors. It's exactly. If it's not rumors and innuendos. <laughs> so we are going to pick a theme each week. Yes, we are. Um, do you want to like drop a, like a, like a, some kind of a, vi- like a, play some music that's, play something from the playlist that kind of hints as to maybe what the. What the theme is today? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe and see if they can guess it. Okay. Call in. Yeah, let us know. Right now. I'm going to play it. Let me see you go bong. Let me see you come in. Now let me see you go Okay. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. Aaliyah, Robert Kelly. Okay. Mm-hmm. What else goes what with this I thing? I would say. Mmm. Nice and easy. Is that actually Ike? That vocal? Okay. Yeah. So that's another one. That's right, you guys. You guessed it. You guessed this it. This week's theme is from the beats to the sheets. That is right. We're talking about um, just famous like sort of producer songwriter artist relationship uh in 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 romance and in business uh and 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 the sort of stories behind those and how it always works out in the end always every time i mean it's like every single time everyone knows that you end up sort of loving the most the person who you create with uh, the most like sanely and logically, yeah, uh, and the most beautifully, obviously, every time, and it's super Without great fail. and healthy. Uh, it's really great. Yeah, so uh, that's what <laughs> and we're obviously there's about. so many people that there's we so could many. talk about. Obviously, like I said, we were just playing Ike and Tina. Obviously, that's like a really well-known one. Leah and R. Kelly. You know, this is the the classic '90s pedophilia case. Uh, sorry. Uh, anyways. Boop. Yeah, that's what we're talking about today. Oh, you know who I almost thought about doing as well? Um, Janet and Jermaine Dupri. Oh, yeah. But, no, that was, I was about to say something really shady. But, like, they never made any good music together? I was looking. <laughs> I was looking. I was like, let me legitimize and no, this and no, no shade No shade, because all. each on their own separately, uh, gallons of it. shit. Done, done, I mean, absolutely, absolutely done, done, done it. Done it all. Done it all. But together? what I was just getting at was, like, when I was looking it up, I was like, okay. I went through discographies <laughs> are just like, what's, I mean, what are some good Janet? I was like, what are the good Janet and Jermaine records? Uh, and I... Could not find one. Mm. Um, I did like so excited though with Kaya. Uh, you know, like um, oh, this one. This oh, she came ready with her Spotify you know? playlist. I sure did. Oh yeah, yeah. Like this one was hot. This one was real hot. <laughs> uh, but I was like super into that. But that was the only one. So it just and also I just couldn't find much about their relationship. So yeah, I, I don't know. I imagine it was like what I'd like to think was like. The sweet, sweet lovin' was good. The tracks Absolutely. not as good, I know. or as plentiful. That was back when Janet was probably still eating pork. Yeah, uh, and which probably slowed slowed her down. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so so we've each picked a a um a, a cup, and you know this is our first one. This is I feel like it's basically a throwaway. It's <laughs> <laughs> in general. It's I mean, gonna be like. I mean, I'd like to see us move. It. Are you, are you okay? <laughs> Sorry. Yep. I have. I, I'm just getting over a cold. <laughs> <laughs> and a, and yeah. and just like figuring out how to use words too. So, um, yeah. Sorry. So welcome apologies. back. Thank you. And and she puffed a big L before she came. <laughs> <laughs> he shan't tell a lie. He shan't. <laughs> um. So I uh, and you know I'd like to think <coughs> we're gonna move into like a really. An actual an more educational, of a structure. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's gonna be like fun and like lighthearted and stuff. And but so I've picked as my theme for this week Biggie and Faith mm-hmm. and Lil Kim. 
which is sort of like a bit of a triangle scenario. And I'm like super excited to hear more about it because like I obviously like know like the very basic like 90s kid like level stuff. Yeah. And I'm not really dug into like the the yeah. true like Oh, there was the so much that it, I didn't know. You know? I mean, and it, we sort of all knew about it growing up. Yeah, he was just like kind of dusted, you know, like yeah. he was with, Biggie was with Faith and then like got with Kim and then so, yeah. somebody got pregnant and so and so they weren't together anymore and then yeah, you know, like who was by his side first after he died and all that, you know, like you get all of that information, but I don't really know anything beyond that. So yeah. I'm excited to hear more about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. So who did you pick? Uh, I picked, this is really funny. The reason, I feel like I have to tell the reason why I picked this topic and the only reason why I know about this is because of a like a very bizarre hangover situation I had like four <laughs> years ago. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. I like had this pretty wild night out after like a very like I was I had a show and it went like really like kind of like meh, and so I was like you know what fuck it I'm gonna get drunk so I did uh, and I got a little too drunk obviously and I woke up and it was like there was a crazy storm that night mm-hmm. it was like just pouring down rain and I get home. Uh, Where were you? I was in. I was living in Minneapolis at the time. Mm. Yeah, Minneapolis. Minneapolis. That's a topic we have to do as well. The Minneapolis sound. Oh, we could. We could only do Minneapolis, and we'd still. Yeah, absolutely. Have three episodes. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Anyways, back to the story. Um, so <clears throat> I was. Uh, I, I was a crazy storm. I somehow got home. I, I plugged my phone in, and I like pass out on my bed. Um, I wake up in the morning, like sweltering hot. It's the middle of the summer, um, and I'm just like in a panic. Just like, what? And my phone's dead. I'm like, what's going on? Like, none of the lights are working. And I was like, what the hell happened? And like, the power had went out. So I was like, all right, I just need to figure out where life is. So my first thing was like, I gotta get my phone going and just like figure out what to do with my life. I go across the street to this coffee shop to try and find that. There's no power there. Uh, oh and I was God. like, what is going on? I walk up the block to a gas station just to get some water and like to see another human being who could like possibly, who could possibly help me. Gas station's closed because there's no power there. And I'm just standing in the middle of the, of the parking lot of this gas station, just like staring up at the sky thinking like, Thank you what am I going to dead. do with my life? Uh, and so I was like, you know what? I'm going to go downtown. There's going to be power downtown. Like I'm going after like gold or something like that. Mm-hmm. So I get on the bus, like a, like a fucking drone and get down to the library. Uh, and I go to the library, I plug my phone in and I'm sitting there uh, and I see this book called A Natural Woman, a memoir by Carol <laughs> King. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to read that. Uh, so I got it from the library very randomly that day. Uh-huh. And that was like my hangover for like the next, cause that was like a solid ass two day hangover. Like that was a legendary one <laughs> and there was no power uh, so you so got all the way into a natural woman. I got all the way into a natural woman. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, this is the reason why I picked Carol King. The very long, long-winded uh, reason for the reason why I picked Carol King and Jerry Geffen. Whom, by the way, mm-hmm. I realized after uh, we originally talked about this, that it was going to be like a, like a producer, so you fucked artist up. So you fucked relationship. up completely. Kind of misunderstood the project. <laughs> um, I misunderstood the assignment. The assignment that I gave myself, mind you. <laughs> uh, 
technically, if you like count like later parts of her career, mm-hmm. and by later parts I mean like <laughs> when her career actually really took hold with the release of the classic seminal record Tapestry, mm-hmm. uh, great album, just a gem. Uh, but the uh, there was like. Obviously, some of the tracks that they had written together that they... Well, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Yeah. Let's start at the very beginning. Start at the very beginning. It's the very best place to start. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> We're adults. All right. So, kind of. do you want to go first or should I go no, first? No, no. I think you should go first. Okay. All right. All right. Because mine's like... Mine is like, so, like such a soap opera. Is it? Yeah. I mean, I kind of wanted to make mine a little bit about the music and a little bit about the bullshit, too. Yeah. Uh, okay. But anyway... Behind the bullshit. Behind the bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this story starts like any classic sort of New York City story. You know, you have a nice Jewish girl from Manhattan who mm-hmm. meets a nice Jewish boy from... <laughs> uh, I think he was originally from Brooklyn, but he like, grew up in Queens. Uh, so Carol is a sweet girl, uh, whom is like a total badass, like from like a young age. She's like, I think like she was like signed to like a record label by the time she was like 15 and was like publishing shit with Paul Simon and she was dating Neil Sedaka and like doing that whole thing. Like she was I don't know who Neil Sedaka is. Um, you know, he's a name who's done a lot of things and like, I know that he's, he sung some Christmas songs that I know, mm-hmm. uh, but beyond that, I listened to a couple of his tracks, and I mean, I, I know what they are, but I wouldn't say that like I'm like intimately familiar with like could say myself like, oh yeah, I'm like a Neil Sedaka fan, like that's not me. Mm-hmm. No, anyway, so she was like just a real badass at like I said at 15, she's like doing her thing, recording demos and shit with like Paul Simon, uh, and then you know when they're she's 17, she goes to Queens College. Uh, and then she meets Jerry. Uh, and Jerry, uh, who is also, like I said, from New York City, uh, grew up in Queens, uh, was uh, writing uh, like a Broadway musical at the time. So he was mm-hmm. 20, she was, she was 17. And um, he was writing like an on Broadway, on Broadway musical? You know, I. I all I got was a Broadway musical. I don't know if it ever made it to, right. but I but mean, he was he, writing. He was writing maybe he was writing it physically yeah. on Broadway Street. I'm not <laughs> quite certain, uh, but uh, they were writing a Broadway play, uh, and he met this girl, and he was like, "You know what? I want you to write the music for my lyrics for my Broadway play." And then she was like, "Yeah, but let's do it because it's this whole like rock and roll theme," uh, and. So that's when they kind of met and, and fell in love. And then shortly thereafter, they got married in, like, what was it, 1959? Mm-hmm. Um, and they kind of started their their kind of journey into songwriting together. So, like like I said, Carol's always been all about, um, in the book she was, like, saying how she was, like, always all about um, songwriting. Like, that's all she wanted to do since she was a little kid. Like, mm. grew up doing that because, like, her parents taught her, like, piano and all this stuff and that was her thing did she not want to be like in front of the camera yeah kind i mean of like, thing? like i think originally like she <clears> always <throat> kind of talks about and again like this is going from like my very basic research and this book that i read during a hangover four years ago um <laughs> so <laughs> i will say what i can about carol beyond what i do know which is <clears throat> excuse me um that like she always said that you know she never really considered herself to be like the voice she, mm-hmm. uh, that she was like and in, her, and in all truth like 
she is a songwriting genie. Yeah. Like oh, she, yeah, 100%. She can write the fuck out of a song. Oh, yeah. Like, in every single way. Absolutely. Um, yeah, one of the greats. So, like, with that, like, she, I think, focused really mainly on on the songwriting for a long time until she, re- yeah. I mean, no, on the actual, like, music. Like, yeah. Like, and and she you is know what? Like, some, of, some of y'all out there, y- you should really take a page out of that book. <laughs> oh, truth. Yeah. Uh, leave that one right there. Uh, so, like, all your live videos are cute, but, like, Maybe write, focus on writing some songs too, but that's that's neither here nor there. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, she um, she just wrote really great melodies, you know, in general. And like, but you know, Jerry Geffen himself like knew how to like write lyrics, like mm-hmm. it was nobody's business. And I think like what ended up being like their first like big. Is he related to David Geffen? No, it's like spelled like completely, completely differently. Okay, it's like. Is it Goffin? It could be Goffin. I could be saying it completely wrong. Jerry Goffin. Yeah, it's definitely Goffin. <laughs> it's definitely Goffin. <laughs> it's definitely Goffin. <laughs> it's, do- <laughs> it's definitely Goffin. How about, I'm probably going to say Geffen, like, probably 75% of the time remaining of this thing. <laughs> yeah, and we'll just know that that means Goffin. It, just, yeah, exactly. We'll, we'll, we'll do it in post. Anyways, so... His lyrics were just like really straight on. Uh, and so they started doing their songwriting, like music collaboration in 1959, 58. Uh, and then, you know, they end up having like a super smash solid hit. Uh, the first one, uh, which is Will You Love Me Tomorrow, uh, which was released by The Shrills. Mm. Oh, uh, yeah. This is like the first big song they released. 1961. So he wrote the lyrics? He wrote the lyrics. She wrote the music. Um, and it's just wow. like a total bop. I have you know? no idea that she wrote this. Yeah, it's like a total, total bop. Total bop. Um, and the best thing about it is like mm. she's wow. Uh, the song in and of itself, and the more I looked into it over the last like week or so, um, it was like a really big fucking deal. Mm. Like it was the first number one hit by like an all girl group. Like of what? all time, yeah. Really? Isn't that nuts? That's crazy. Yeah. What year was yeah, that? 1961. Wow. Yeah, the first one, January 1961. They were the first uh, one by an all-girl group to make it in the United States. Wow. Yeah. Oh my God, that is that's incredible. Yeah. That really is. But like even more, even major. more like hilarious about the whole thing is like I like for the first time in my life like actually read through the lyrics, <laughs> and this is are like some Obama? straight up ho shit. Like this entire. <laughs> record is like it's a the whole strap no 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 it's just like hey <clears throat> before i let you hit like are mm-hmm. you not are you gonna call me tomorrow that's literally what this is about like wow. if, if i let you get it like are we is this like is this just for the pussy or something like that why did i just say that but uh <laughs> that's what this song is about it's this girl just saying like you know if i let you into me mm-hmm. like Again, why else say that? <laughs> like of all of the words, because it's because this all, is America this now. This is America now, and this is We're what in we Trump's do. America. We, we yeah, we do these things. It's just, um, yeah. Anyways, so <laughs> if you really think about it, it's like the, one of the first songs where like these people are like talking about these like very adult themes, because mm. like. But in the way they used to do, in the way like they used the to low, do, low. Yeah. yeah. But the crazy part, and something that like I thought was also really interesting about like their kind of when they first started taking off because by 1961 they had started writing for um the brill building so like don kirshner uh this whole thing which i had had heard about a while ago 
um, in the sense of there's this whole thing called the Bill Broadening Sound, like in the late 50s, early 60s, like mm-hmm. this kind of like really like manufactured um, like pop music like machine that existed. Uh, Bill Broadening was like this place in New York City that um, if you were like white and writing music in the 50s, mm-hmm. like you were doing it at the Brill Building. You know, like Elvis was there, Burt Bacharach, Sonny Bono, mm. like all, all, all of those the whites. Folks, all the whites were there. <laughs> Paul Simon, like everybody, Phil Spector. Mm-hmm. Um, I was <laughs> I was in my head like when I was reading through it, I was like, oh, like the real building was like the Murder Inc. of like the fifties. Well, I didn't even say the Murder Inc. But like <laughs> it was more like the like because it was more Phil like Spector, the Disney. Is yeah. that why? <laughs> Maybe I don't know. Um, but it was actually probably more like the Disney Channel. Like they just could like <laughs> like it just like, these are the like this is. You're showing no respect to them right now. <laughs> no, I mean, like, they, they churn. I mean, like, like the thing was why I say is, like, it like was they were because, the Neptunes because of, like, the no. artist didn't really matter, really, if okay. you think about it. Like, okay. it was really about, like, the songwriter, the songwriters in general. And, yeah. and, and because, like, what made, like, will you, like, will you love me tomorrow, like, a hit wasn't the Shirelles. I mean, like, they were great, obviously, but, like, it was recorded. I mean, Amy Winehouse did an unbelievable cover of mm. it. Um, obviously, Carol King did her own cover of that song on Tapestry. Like, it's a it's a rock solid jam. Like, mm. just it's a well written, beautifully composed song, uh, and it's it's really the power is in is in the people who made it. Um, so they could like really just put together these songwriting teams and then just put plop in like an artist, uh, and the song would be a hit. Like just yeah. in general, and like those two like wrote fucking hits. Like that's all they did. Um, so then, you know, they actually keep going on. That, like, they continue, like, moving on with, with this, like, process of writing these hits. Like, through the early 60s. Uh, they've been, and they, like, were they at the Brill Building? Like, they were, doing, yeah, they were, uh, like, yeah. literally at the Brill Building. Like, I think that, that a lot of people say that, like, the Brill Building was, like, this... It existed outside of itself, obviously, because not all of all those people like were doing so in in the actual building itself. But they were, it was like kind of just like a general type of of mm-hmm. way in which music was structured and released and turned out essentially during that time frame. But they had by 1962, they had like this uh, the Drifters song like up on the roof. Do you remember that one? Mm, sing, would you like sing us a moment? Oh yes, of course. And people are just Carol King wrote this. Carol King wrote this song. Not Jerry to be fused with Carol King. Carol King, <laughs> no, the actress. Not Carol King, the actress. Yeah, so that's another one of their and jams. She wrote that with with Jerry. Jerry Goffin. Um, and you know they wrote for like the animals, for the chiffons, for all these people. They ended up like actually like. Um, running a record label uh, called like Dimension Records for a few years mm-hmm. actually um, and they turned out like probably 24 hits uh, in like I think like 1963 like they were like the number one like performing like record label in their like in like outside of like all of their competitors what? which is crazy like these two were just like unstoppable and they were doing it they were doing time. they were doing it at this time mm-hmm. yeah so the crazy thing is is you know like um, their overall relationship itself, like while I'm getting into like that, you know, they had two kids like pretty early on because they got married, you know, when like I said, they were 17 and 20. 
um, and got really into got really into um, songwriting and all that stuff. But like shortly thereafter, and they're they're getting more popular. Uh, like in the, the mid '60s, uh, that's kind of when like LSD and everything like that started becoming like really popular. Mm-hmm. So Jerry gets really into LSD as 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 a lot of people were doing at the time, as a sort of a way to like a creative, the, tool. creative, the creative tool. <clears throat> so you know, it makes them more creative and metaphysically aware and all that stuff. But you know, people kind of get lost in it, obviously, and especially back then, not really knowing like the full like yeah. side effects and like the intensity and like which they were doing. So um, he kind of got really into that and got stuck into it. Mm. Uh, so meanwhile, while he's getting like really into LSD, um, they're still doing all this music, writing all of these hits. Um, uh, and when he was 23, he ends up being diagnosed as schizophrenic. Wow. Uh, and 23? Tw- uh, 26. Oh, 26. 26. So that's so, wow. He was diagnosed schizophrenic, and then he was diagnosed as manic, uh, and then they were they were treating him with like massive amounts of thorazine, uh, thorazine, which is like a tranquilizer, a tranquilizer, yeah. and then they started doing shock therapy on mm. him, which is crazy. Um, Man, sch- yeah, schizophrenia is a really difficult, it's a serious, yeah, it's a serious one. <clears throat> yeah. yeah. So I mean, to think, and a, and, a, and a lot of like drug use does trigger that. I mean, I think. I'm not Absolutely. a doctor. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> but, obviously. But but and I but I, I think in people that are more likely to get it, like mm-hmm. drug use of certain types of drug use really accelerates that. Really accelerated, exactly. Yeah. Um and and then the unfortunate part too was just like um the one thing that like the overarching thing that I got out of their entire relationship um was that there was still like a whole lot of love between the two of them. But I think that really just like possibly kind of like just changed who he was. Mm. Obviously, it does. It kind of like affects that. And oh yeah, I forgot. Like I have this like cl- clip that's about them talking about um, how they met, and I really wanted to play that because it was really sweet and kind Is of this, funny. Um, before this was, um, what was I gonna say? Were they still married during this time? They so were, did they get divorced or did they like split up? Do they have kids? They got divorced. Like they were only married for eight years. Yeah. Okay. So um, they they had two kids and uh, they were married for eight years. And then obviously like after they got divorced. Well, actually the best thing is, is that kind of like near the tail end of their their relationship, like the last sort of big, rec- one of the last re- big records that they released is like obviously like one of my favorites right here. It's crazy to think that, because like no one really knows that a man wrote this song. I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. I also didn't realize that she wasn't the main lyricist. Yeah. No, like she just wrote. She wrote the music. She's she's the composer. Yeah. He wrote this song. It's so crazy to like think that. It just seems it's so like. It's crazy too, like the story. Yeah, the no story idea. behind um, the story behind like how that song came to be is kind of actually really interesting, um, which makes me feel also that he's a little bit unsung. Absolutely, no, the man like has he is an uncanny ability to write music. Yeah, specifically from like a female perspective, like all right. their bigger most of the bigger hits were like 
for like girl groups for like like Sorrells, uh for like little little Ava mm-hmm. um and obviously Aretha he wrote jams for Whitney who actually funny really? yeah he wrote for Whitney he wrote what for, jams for Whitney um, without without Carol without Carol he went on to do that with Whitney oh, Diana I mean, I Roberta gotta I gotta like, know. everybody um uh wow but like yeah the funny funny thing about the story the story behind natural woman the reason why it actually ended up like becoming a thing is actually really funny the reason why i started looking into it because i was looking into the people who kind of were like connected to the to the uh to 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 these songs uh that i wanted to talk about and (laughs) i was looking at the i saw on wikipedia that there was another guy uh named jerry wexler who is atlantic records Mm co-owner yeah uh back in the day uh he was listed as a uh, like a co-songwriter on mm-hmm. the record and so i was like oh that's interesting so i like sure. clicked on it to like kind of see <laughs> to see the reason why and on like wikipedia this is what it this is what it reads as like the origin of like the story um and i don't really get it <laughs> As recounted in his autobiography, Wexler, a student of African-American musical culture, had been mulling over the concept of the natural man when he drove by King in the streets of New York. He shouted out to her that he wanted a natural woman song for Aretha Franklin's next album. In thanks, Goffin and King granted Wexler a co-writing credit. Like, I don't get how being a student of (laughs) African-American musical culture has anything to do with anything I just said, like, at all. I don't know. It was really weird. Um, but yeah, that's a general story is that Wexler asked them to write this song called Natural Woman for Aretha Franklin. And that was literally the only direction they got. And they went home that night. Uh, I mean, so when was this song written? Like the early 70s late, or late 60s? Late 60s, like 67, 1967. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So they went home, like I said, and they wrote that song in one night. Uh, and then she recorded it later, and then that's the hit. Wow. That it became. Yeah. That's a monster uh, hit. And it's like, like, how many shampoo commercials has that <laughs> no, song been fucking absolutely. used in my whole life. <laughs> whole life? I feel like actually the first time I ever heard that song as a child was in a shampoo commercial before I, yeah, I think so. Before Probably. I'd even, before I'd even heard Aretha's version. It I mean, really you know, in the like, 80s. It is like a shampoo commercial, like all the time. It's, yeah. Like, legitimately, like. I'm trying to think. Like, and maybe that's the origin of the of the the natural woman is like you know it was like maybe against like people straightening their hair like women of color like just want like people were I, you know, I because then afros yeah the seventies I, I was talking to maybe people that about, song actually <laughs> it's, it inspired well honestly too if you think about it natural woman like came out like right in like the peak of like when the feminist movement like really started picking up steam yeah. and like that it's was about definitely hairy like, about, it was really about that and it's, burning bras and stuff yeah. like. One hundred percent armpits, uh, equality, equal pay, all those things. Um, That's people still fucking the, fighting for, which is absolutely ridiculous. Anyways, so another thing that people were saying uh, about the song was that like it could be about like natural, like like childbirth, which I just I never thought about until like today when I was like looking up like people's <laughs> like opinion about it. Like it makes sense, you know. Before the day came to me. Life is so dull inside. Like you the know, childbirth like, making you, connecting you Making with you your... feel like a woman, yeah. you know? Like, that makes sense. I get that. Um, but anyhow, yeah, those two, like, those two tracks are, like, absolute rock-solid jams. 
that they wrote. Uh, and they're all both these 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 kind of like in a, in an interesting way. I mean, as much like weirdness as I was talking about it, like it being ho shit, like and it's actually not. It's like it's 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 a, it's a like a logical intimate thing that like many people like have asked themselves you know mm-hmm. like i want to like be intimate with you uh but is this going to is this in vain is this only because do you want me just for this do you want me for i mean these are like really things that like people like teenagers specifically like were like thinking still, about still and they're still about. singing about and yeah. they're still thinking about uh, and they captured it in like this really really beautiful way and then to like kind of follow up as like a as a really interesting like way from front to look at it from like will you Will you love me tomorrow? To natural woman, mm. for being like actually like you are loving me tomorrow. Now I guess you could say even still, that was like kind of a stoner thing to say, wasn't it? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Oh, God. Oh Lord, oh, no! Don't let it be. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, no, but that's really amazing, and I, I, I honestly, I didn't know that he had been the lyricist, and I also feel a little bit gypped. Because I think she um, is that considered a slur now? By the way, I think it might be. Okay, um, fix it in post. I feel it. No, it makes total sense because, like, you look at. I mean, like, granted, like to be to be fair, and to give Carol King her absolute proper's, like oh. she is still like a phenomenal songwriter in Absolutely. of herself because Tapestry is a fucking yeah. like work of art. I mean, it's kind of in a similar way to. Um, like Tim Rice and Elton John, or yeah. Elton John's other collaborator, that was his name, but uh, Bernie. Um, Bernie, 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 yeah, Bernie, Bernie. you know, Bernie, you know, you know him, Bernie, Bernie. Um, you know, I mean, Elton absolutely taking nothing away from Elton, who's yeah. who's amazing, yeah, but like he's often you know given more of the that singer songwriter yeah. like power yeah um yeah no absolutely and also as a performer and given that carol is a performer as well as well absolutely yeah. no but i think he i think the, the situation was that you know she just became such a big star um yeah. next to him who was still very successful and like very very well known uh and uh had like a very long successful career after the fact with it with his songwriting um <clears throat> and what happened was he able to like function with his mental illness. Um, yeah, I mean he he kept. He, Is he still he, alive? He actually died uh, in 2014. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, he passed away in uh, June of 2014. But you know, she said something really sweet. I want to read it actually about him uh, when when he died. She released a statement and said that uh, Jerry Goffin was my first love. He had a profound impact on my life and the rest of the world. Jerry was a good man and a dynamic force whose words and creative influence will resonate for generations to come. His legacy for me is our two daughters, four grandchildren, and our songs have touched millions and millions of people, as well as a lifelong friendship. Yeah, it's really sweet. Um, So, yeah, I mean, like, they were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1990. which is As a duo? As a duo. Wow, that's Um, cool. Yeah, and also a really fun story that I I saw as well was that... um, uh, John Lennon said that he wanted to be the Goffin and King of England. Oh my God! Wow. Yeah. So they well, were I they think were a big he deal. Did that? Yeah, he really did. I yeah. guess. Um, but yeah, I mean, like they kind of went their separate ways. Um, he kept his songwriting going. Obviously, you know, Carol um, did what you know everyone who was feeling their oats in the seventies did and moved to Laurel Canyon and. Mm-hmm. 
you know, started hanging out with Joni Mitchell and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, James Taylor, and you know, became like the badass. I mean, she was already badass, but like continued to just slay. And yeah, did you know that Tapestry was actually um, the it was the top selling record by a female artist for twenty five years? What? Yeah. I had no, I did not know that. Yeah. Until what? Alanis Morissette? The bodyguard. The bodyguard. Yeah. Yes. Wow. I had no idea. But I mean, it makes sense. And it's, I mean, every single song on that album is a complete smash. It is a smash. I mean, my mom had it on vinyl. She used to, you know, my mom loved Carole King. I remember (gasps) just the back of that album with the cat on it. And like sitting in that little window cell. And uh, every single song on there is, is a is a fucking smash it's just like banger after banger after banger yeah and like to the point like and it's such a it's like a no frills it really is a singer songwriter album. it really is it Um, is i mean they always say i mean like her her and james taylor just like made that sound like a thing yeah like back then um and it's funny because like i i think like i first the only reason why i like feel like i picked up that because i didn't actually listen to tapestry i guess until i was I guess I heard it when I was a kid, but never really dug into it when I was like, till I was probably like 19. And I was uh, sitting, it was when I was like very antisocial and would sit around and just like do nothing but listen to music. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so like really different. Really like different. Now. You know, like super different. I just, just go to parties and sit and listen to music. <laughs> I don't talk to people. Um, but yeah, I, I just dug into it and I was like, this is like, this is actually like really, really good, mm. and, like really good. And then you know that's when you you kind of you kind of get into to more of that. So I don't know. That's a uh, <laughs> that's Yay. what I have to say about Carol King and you... Jerry Goffin. Good job, Thomas. Woo. Did you? That was really great. I loved it. Was I mean, it? I, yeah. Um, I, oh yeah. Do you, did you have more. a clip? There wasn't there yes. like an interview yes. that you were gonna there play. There was an interview that I wanted to play. Um, what? So. Uh, this right here is a little interview that Jerry Goffin did with, I can't exactly, I don't really remember who he was doing it for. I actually don't know if I even know who he was doing it for, but um, it's a, uh, sorry, let me pull it up. Okay, so this is a an interview by um, Jerry Goffin, it's not by Jerry Goffin, it's an interview of Jerry Goffin, or with Jerry Goffin, I guess. Mm-hmm. Or uh, through Jerry Goffin. <laughs> through Jerry Goffin. <laughs> um uh, and he's just kind of talking about um, how he met Carol King, uh, and it's actually pretty adorable. And Jerry sounds like a real hoot. Well, uh, I was going to Queens College at the time, and uh, uh, I met this girl, Carol King, and I was writing uh, a play, and I made this deal with her that. If she would write the play for me, the music to the play, I would write rock and roll lyrics for her. And uh, doesn't he sound like super adorable? Yeah. Song called the Kid Brother, and it was recorded by Mickey and Sylvia. It was the very first song we ever wrote was recorded. Now, Jerry, did your partnership with Carol King immediately click when you first began to write music with her? We wrote a lot of bad songs for about. <laughs> <laughs> well, I considered bad songs uh, for about a year and a half. <laughs> and finally, all of a sudden, we were writing right in the vein of what was commercially viable. Jerry, how did you <laughs> usually write viable. songs with Carol? Well, 
this interviewee interviewer is like super rock so i i would invariably sing some kind of melody over it and uh um sometimes i i didn't get a chance to because she had a melody when i got home from work and uh i'd write to that that's how we love me tomorrow was written and uh I don't know. I, I I wrote the melody to a lot of songs that were hits, but but not the real good ones because they were really layman's melodies, you know. And Carol's melodies were more professional. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah. So, so she was the melody machine. She was the melody machine. Yeah. yeah she was. Yeah. But wow. uh, yeah. So that's uh, Jerry and Carol. Jerry and Carol. Fucking Jerry and fucking Carol. Oh God, are you talking about Jerry and Carol? <laughs> I love them. I mean, every single song is just amazing. Okay, sorry. That's what I have to say. Yay. Okay, so I'm done. I need, like, my blood sugar, like, plummeted to the fucking... I know, I need, like, a... Do you need, like, a snack? I need a like snack. A I need, like, an almond. I need a nosh. <laughs> yeah. We're gonna nosh. We'll be back. Okay, so um, so like I said earlier, for me, for my you know my story of the week, story of the story week, my lifetime movie of the week. week. Actually, mine is a little bit of a lifetime movie of it the week. It is a lifetime movie. Um, I'm surprised they haven't made a, a lifetime movie version of it yet. Yeah, it's true. So I I kind of picked three albums to focus on with these three different people. Mm-hmm. Um. Biggie's Ready to Die album, mm-hmm. Faith's album, Faith Faith Evans' her debut album called Faith. Classic, classic, and um, Junior Mafia, their one and only album. One and only album. Which, Conspiracy. by the way, uh, that record is one of my favorite <laughs> records because uh, of there's this music video. The music video for the God, what's this, the name of the song? The one with Aaliyah. Um, not players anthem. Not players anthem. Oh, it, uh, it's the one from that goes. For, it's from conspiracy. God, how's it go? It goes on. I remember the music video. Uh, <laughs> Tommy from Martin was in it. Like, um, um, God, why am I like literally blanking on this song right now? Like, I love. Why was I can say? Oh, it's one of my favorite records. I don't even know a fucking song. I remember the video. I remember the video <laughs> vaguely. No, um, I'll figure it out. It'll probably pop in my head in the middle of your story, and I'll just like start singing it or something it out. like that. But whatever. So that was um, <laughs> great story. <laughs> <laughs> cool story. Cool story. And so, when you think of like Biggie, or when I think of Biggie, you know, and I think of Faith as mm-hmm. them as a couple, mm-hmm. and then you know, growing up hearing all the, the stories about Lil Kim on being the, on the side, mm-hmm. and people always thinking of her as sort of like the side, the chick. side chick. Yeah, absolutely. But what I learned during my research is that. And this is nothing on faith because she didn't know any, you know, she, she didn't was know. None the wiser. She was none the wiser. She was six pence and none the richer. <laughs> she was kind of the other, she was the other chick. Damn. And really? so, yeah, I mean, and, and, you know. But like, Biggie was like married to faith, though. Let me, let's, let's okay, wind let's it back from the beginning. From the, from let's the, start from the beginning. Um, start at the very beginning. This album is dedicated. To all the teachers that told me I never amount to nothing. To all the people that lived above the buildings that I was hustling from that called the police on me when I was just trying to make some money to feed my daughter. 
and all the niggas in the struggle. You know what I'm saying? This is juicy. It's all good, baby. Keep it ready to that album. Uh, it was all a dream. I used to read Word Up magazine. Salt and pepper and heavy D up in the limousine. Hanging pictures such, on my wall. Every Saturday, it's a jam. It's such a classic record. Uh, so good. Such a classic record. I mean, just it's it's one of those things that's just like synonymous with hip hop. Yeah. You know? Just no. And for anybody that grew up in the nineties, I mean it's anyone. just like you like it's just a song like you can't say you like hip hop if you don't like yeah. if you don't like that song. It's just it's not possible. So Biggie, Christopher George Latour Wallace. That is a name. That is a name. Um, better known Lat- as Latour the notorious Wallace. B.I.G. Biggie or Biggie Smalls. Did he ever put that in a song? Like Christopher Latour Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> not that I not that I remember. He should have. Um he, really he was should've. raised in Brooklyn. <laughs> Christopher Latour Wallace. Sorry. <laughs> Christopher George Latour Christopher Wallace. Christopher George Latour Wallace. <laughs> he grew up uh in Clinton Hill, which Clinton Hill, which is uh like basically Bedford Stuyvesant. Which is like so different now. It really is. It's like I mean I think about Diggie's do you know that Bed- I? Do you, you know what? Fun, what's really funny? The last time I was in bed, I went and got coffee uh, with my like, friend. Was Greg, that five dollars coffee? No, the coffee was like five dollars. But what was more <clears throat> hilarious and offensive and absolutely downright fucking appalling was the six dollar avocado toast. Oh, that's now, actually pretty cheap for avocado toast now. <laughs> you know what's ridiculous? And, and no, you have got to have me like thirty-seven different kinds of fucked up to think I'm gonna spend six dollars on a piece of toast with avocado and cherry tomatoes on it. I don't care if it's like fresh cracked fucking pepper from your great grandmother's goddamn heirloom <laughs> pepper seeds. Like six dollars. I Anyways, mean, yeah, that's, that's bed cheap, style now, but that's folks. cheap. For, that, honestly, that's cheap for avocado toast these that days is. since these the avocado days. strike. Uh, since um, I mean, we're in Trump's America now. I mean, avocados are. I mean, yeah. If things go according to his plans, like who will be picking the avocados? Not me. Um. So 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 Biggie grew up in um, Bed Stuy, which is now like overrun by hipsters, like just like everywhere else. Um, the only child of uh, Valletta Wallace, uh, who was a Jamaican preschool teacher. And his father, Selwyn George Latour, was, I love this, It's a, this is from Wikipedia, a Jamaican welder and politician. Oh, really? I don't know which. Was he a politician in Jamaica or like in Brooklyn? I don't know. I didn't really fully dive in, but I want to know like how much of his time was spent is it welding? Like, yeah, was it like a 60-40 like thing? <laughs> yeah, like, is it like, I'm a welder first, and, and then, then a politician? Like, yeah. Or am I a politician who also happens to weld like, in my I free time? I think he must have been like a city councilman or something okay. like that. Because I didn't know if he was like... Because it like, wasn't like a politician. Yeah, or and like a, a sport welder. Yeah. You know, like, I do welding as like a hobby. Yeah, oh, a, a hobbyist. A hobbyist. A lobbyist. A <laughs> hobbyist and a lobbyist. <laughs> a hobbyist and a lobbyist. <laughs> I don't know what it, what he was. Absolutely. But anyway, the dad left um, when he was when he was two... And um, at middle school, he, Christopher Wallace, Biggie. Christopher George Latour Wallace. (laughs) You know it. He was really, really good in English, which is no surprise. He Mm -hmm. like really excelled in that, Um, which was, that was my best subject at school too. I was terrible at math and science. You know, I was, I was, I could figure out a math problem. Like once you told me how to do it and if I slept on it, I would absolutely forget it right away. Yeah, I it's, couldn't really. My brain really has do that. zero capacity for it. But there's an app for that, so. Exactly. Um, so, he was already called Big, at like his nickname was Big when he was ten. Mm-hmm. 
um, because he was so big then already. Yeah. Um, he started dealing drugs when he was around the age of 12. That is... Which is super young. Super young. Even by my standards. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I have no idea either. I mean, yeah, I was I mean, a mess when I was like 15, like know, running around, like, but like 12 is really young. 12 is young. I didn't get that crazy until like my teenage years. Yeah. But like, I guess I never got, <laughs> I was never selling drugs. But I was never selling drugs. Doing but, yeah. them, maybe. But his mom but, didn't know because yeah. she was, she was, she had two jobs. She was working two jobs trying to, you know, support both the both of them since mm-hmm. the dad left. Um, so, then he went to this, actually went to the school in New York called George Was- George Westinghouse Career and Technical Education High School. Jeez. And at the same time he was there, guess who else was, went to that school? Wasn't like Buster there? It was Buster Rhymes, Jay-Z, Jay-Z and like, DMX. And DMX, damn. Like all they the should homies. just call it Hip Hop High. Hip Hop High? You know what? I think that's going to be like the new, like... Not a Disney Channel show. That's like a, that's like a CW show. I think that's what it's gonna be. It's gonna be on the CW, Hip Hop High. It's gonna like be this classic like early '80s, like here's hey hey dudes like here's a story of Jay Z, Busta, DMX. But it wasn't even early '80s because like late you forget, '80s. Yeah, he was twenty four when, when he died, which is twenty four years old. Like what the fuck old. did you do? I didn't have a goddamn thing going on. Twenty <laughs> four. What yeah. was I doing? I was like... So this was... I mean, he he literally was... Yeah, it was would have been the late 80s. That's the... I, I remember like reading up about this. Uh, or, or, I think what was the, 20, uh, the 20th anniversary, which was this year, I believe. Yeah. Um, And I was like, damn, he was 24 years old. Oh, it was, like, it's next year. Is it it's next year? Uh, well, it's, two, it's this year, yeah, 2017. Yeah. yeah. Um, But like that... For him to have become who he was, like... <clears throat> by 24 it's crazy yeah it's absolutely nuts uh to think that someone could amass like such a such a, a persona and such like a career and such a following and so much success uh and kind of like set up an entire fucking dynasty like yeah. that quickly in a really short time it's nuts it is crazy um uh, so he he left high school when he was seventeen. He dropped out early and got further like deeper into crime and drug dealing and stuff. And he was actually arrested in Brooklyn and sentenced to five years probation. And he in nineteen ninety he was arrested on a violation of his probation. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they did to him then, but then a year later he was arrested again in North Carolina for dealing crack cocaine. What was he doing in North Carolina? I didn't even know he had like a... He was dealing crack cocaine. Just down in North Carolina doing crack cocaine. Dealing it. I don't know. I didn't even know he went to North Carolina. He did. He did, and he got arrested Uh, for dealing crack cocaine. There you go. And he spent... um, He was in jail for nine months before making bail. I don't know 100% if that means he was tried and convicted or if he was just held probably held that sounds like something yeah 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 i don't know that Um, sounds like a hold so he got out of jail and he made a demo tape under the name biggie smalls this is the first time he used that name which is a see this is what i love about research is you learn shit yeah it's really it's really cool to like figure out things that you didn't know prior yeah yeah and that's what we're kind of doing here and that's we want to teach we're like here to learn and teach yeah it's it's funny because like 
we Those absolutely can't have teach. can't teach teach, <laughs> teach. <laughs> <laughs> i mean we have like zero knowledge of what we're talking about that's not true i mean not, that's not true that is true i mean like we have knowledge but in the sense that like um this isn't going to be like all songs considered no oh my god <laughs> but so he so this this name biggie smalls actually yes. is comes from a movie it's a name of a character in a movie directed by Sidney Poitier. No way. Called Let's Do It Again, which is a 1975 action crime film starring Sir Sidney Poitier, mm-hmm. Bill Cosby, no way. and Jimmy Walker. What? I've never heard of this I've film. I've never heard of it I've either. I've never seen this film. N- nor have I. I don't know. I don't know I don't this know film. Her. <laughs> I don't know her. <laughs> But I feel like we should. I feel we like need I need to watch, watch it. This. I need to watch it. Yeah. I wonder Let's where. Let's do like, it. We're gonna watch we it and then we're gonna let you. We're gonna let you know the people. Like we're gonna let, let you know. know. I feel like there's gotta be some like. How have I mean, we how, never? How have we never heard of this? How have we never heard of this? I this feel robbed. Like, absolutely. This is so. And I never knew that's where got Christopher that Wallace got Biggie Smalls from. So he made this mixtape under the name Biggie Smalls, and New York-based DJ Mr. C. Uh, started playing on the radio and he wasn't meant to be like a serious thing. He wasn't really trying, you know, he wasn't even really trying that hard. Mm-hmm. But Mr. C had put Big Daddy Kane on um, and it was heard by the editor of Source and then eventually, this is around like 1992, mm-hmm. 93, mm-hmm. Biggie signed to Uptown Records, who at the time was also the employer of Sean Combs. Oh, and that's how the connection Diddy, was made. Mr. P. Diddy. Mr. Puff Daddy, P. Diddy. Combs. Combs. So, Sean Combs got fired from Uptown. <laughs> By the way, <laughs> did you ever hear the story of when Sean, when, when Diddy um, tried to buy back, who tried to buy the at Sean Combs uh, Twitter handle from Sean Combs, which is actually like a comb manufacturing company? I did. Yeah, God, that was really funny. <laughs> I remember that. It was like a public. It was twi- a public Twitter twi- like battle conversation. Conversation yeah. of like, hey, can I have? It's like, nah, dude, we're good. And yeah, it was <laughs> super awkward. Oh God, that was weird. Yeah. Anyways, sorry. oh the internet. <laughs> the internet. Um, <clears throat> so Sean was fired from Uptown Records in 1993, and I believe it had something to do with a, some house party that had gone terribly wrong, and nine people died. What? I don't know a hundred percent. I feel like I just dropped that bomb and I'm walking away. Shit. I mean, that is a, if that's a bomb, I mean, that's, de- that's definitely. That did happen. That did I don't happen. know if, if that's connected. why he got fired. Okay. Okay. What it was, was he like actually a, doing? It was like there? a heavy D yeah. a party. Oh, okay. And right. I think it was like sort of like an un, you know, what an was illegal his, what thing. What was his occupation at the time? I don't know, but I would think probably like street team, like street, hustle like marketing, a, like. Yeah. I mean, kind of still what he does. <laughs> like A&R? Like, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. Lyric writing. Lyric writing. <laughs> um, so after he was fired, he established Bad Boy Entertainment, which as we which now is, know is like is, a fucking, is, is an bad empire. Boy. Is, is Bad yeah, Boy. Yeah. And it was a joint venture with um, Arista Records, which I like to say, well, I grew up saying Arista Records, but... It was always Arista. Yeah, I it's always been Arista. I think maybe I don't even know. I but think I think because of aristocrats. Aristocrat. Arista. Arista. Arista Records. Arista. Like I don't know why. Arista Records. <clears throat> and so he, so Biggie had signed with Uptown. Mm-hmm. P Diddy took Biggie with him 
to start his new venture mm. with Arista Records, Bad Boy Entertainment. <laughs> so this is 1993. So this is, remember like a year later, like 1994, Ready to Die came out, which is Biggie's debut. Debut. Came debut out. Album. Came out in 1994. Swang it. Yeah. Smashed it. Yeah. Um. So, but let's backtrack a little bit. Shall we? Um, in 1973. <laughs> a little bit? <laughs> a lot. Let's back the fuck. Let's back the fuck let's up. Let's back it well on Faith up. Evans um, was born in, in, in Florida in 1973. She's she had, from Florida? <laughs> she's like only for a second though. <laughs> okay. <laughs> only like she didn't grow about, up in Florida. I, know, I was about to say like. <laughs> This makes so much more no, sense. She, no, but she did grow up in New Jersey. And she is Italian. So, yeah. So she, I found out she's a mother's African-American and her father who bounced mm. was, I don't know why it, in my notes here it says Caucasian Italian. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think I meant to just put Italian. Italian. Um, and apparently he was a musician as well. And her mother was a singer. Okay. So she moved to New Jersey when she was a kid. She sang in church at two. Like, who didn't? We all did. Everybody, Everybody did. We did. all grew up singing in church. Yeah. Um, singing in the background. <laughs> and um, so she moved. In 1991, she moved to New York City to study marketing. And she had she ended up leaving to have a, she had a daughter at the time, mm-hmm. whose name is China, with a Y. With a Y. Oh. Um, not that China. Not that China. Okay. Not that I know of. No, her mother's name is like Tokyo Tony. <laughs> is that real? That's, that's real. <laughs> oh my god! I couldn't make that shit up if I tried. <laughs> this is Trump's America now. <laughs> um, people oh, named Tokyo Tony, Tony have a daughter called China. That's <laughs> this is the America that we live in now. Um, Just think about. <laughs> So, no, she had a daughter called China with music producer Kayama Griffin. I don't know who that is. I don't know who that is either, but I I looked him up during my research, Mm -hmm. and he was in a uh, a little group called Three Boys from Newark. Oh, that's a really clever name. Yeah. I like that. Three Boys from Newark. Who would have thunk it? I wonder where they're from. (laughs) But he also did like some... all from Bayonne? <laughs> a <Aboken. laughs> Um He did like a, some. He did like a Michael Jackson in the closet remix. Oh, really? Like kind of a hip house remix, and he did like a Crystal Waters twelve inch oh, remix. Okay. So get it. Yeah. yeah. So he was doing things was in doing New York. Some, he was doing some stuff. Um, in nine, in ninety three, Faith moved to Los Angeles, where she worked as a backup singer for Al B. Shaw. I did. N- not did you know, know that? that either? I didn't know that either. Wow. Um, and that's when she met Sean Diddy. Sean, <laughs> Mr. Sean Diddy. That's when I. That's when she met Mr. Sean I never know Diddy. what the fuck to call him. Yeah, Mr. Mr. Diddy, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Combs, Mr. Mr. Daddy, <laughs> Mr. Puff, Mr. Puff. He um, and he was like obviously so impressed because tone. Yeah, tone absolutely. For, tone for fucking days, for all days, all of the Just days. Keeps going. Three hundred sixty-five days worth of tone. Um, yeah, just like one of the most stunning voices butter. I've ever heard. I mean, honestly, syrup. just butter and syrup. The, the the crazy thing is, is like the things that you love about a faith about a faith Evans is. I was about to say Faith Hill, and I have <laughs> Faith no Evans. I, faith Evans. That's why it sounded like that. But Faith Evans is, you know, like 
like that kind of like effortless vocal. It's like I literally just woke up and I'm like just yawning my way out of bed and I yeah. still like sound better than all of your faves. Yeah. Like <laughs> Yeah. That's what you love about yeah. Faith Evans. Yeah. It's I love just like she vocals. she slays <clears throat> a track without actually even really trying. I mean, it makes it she makes it seem like that. Yeah. She may be like real like she may be Well, I mean like I'm talking classic Faith. Yeah. Um it's true. But like yeah. the crooning days. Yeah. Um so he signed her as she was the first female artist signed to Bad Boy Entertainment, which also I didn't know. Did not know that either, but and it makes total sense. It makes a lot of sense. And she was um she consulted Combs and contributed backing vocals and writing to Mary J. Blige's My Life album. I did not know that either. Yeah. Wow. Which is absolutely one of my favorite albums growing it, up. I mean like I rinsed that album. Come on now. Who didn't? Yeah, I, uh. I played it over and over again. <clears throat> and she also sang back up on Usher's first album. My Way? I think, no, before that, when he was like, re- like oh, yeah. he was like was a the, child. The child. When, when he was, was like, like a baby. Yeah. Was like, I didn't think yeah, it was, yeah. He was still going by like Raymond Usher. Raymond Usher? Yeah. Hmm. Ursha. Ursha. So, yeah, she sang back up on that too. She um, so she So she signed to Diddy mm-hmm. and she met. She met Biggie at a photo shoot. Cute. And three weeks later, they were married. What? Okay. Now this makes like a whole lot more sense. They met, and three weeks, three later, weeks later, they were married. How old were they? I mean, like, he was obviously probably like 20. Well, this let's makes, see. Like, the crazy part is, is like, I always forget that they were so young when this all went so down. So young. And which, it all like, happened so quickly. It all happened so quickly. And it, it's crazy because, like, I, growing up, I thought they were just, like, grown. Yeah. They had this all, like, this adult-ass drama. And this is, like, the equivalence right now of, like, a, like a, like a, like a Kylie Jenner and, like, Tyga-type situation. Oh, yeah. Like, this is literally what we're talking about. Yeah. And, like, really? But, like, with talent. With talent. <laughs> Oh, again, we're just gonna leave that one right there. Yeah. Um. But no, seriously though, it's crazy. Like these incredibly talented people with this like really kind of like juvenile stuff. I'm assuming. Really. Yeah. I mean, do you remember the bullshit you were doing then? I mean, absolutely. I mean, like the things, the things in which caused like copious amounts of drama in one's life at the age of like 23. Now I look at that I like legitimately could not roll out of bed to care about. Yeah. I like. At all. But they were also, and I look at them, I look at like Faith and I look at Biggie and I look at Lil' Kim from that time. And mm-hmm. obviously, you know, I was really little then. Yeah. I mean, I was a kid, but they seemed to be really grown up. Yeah, and absolutely. And seemed to be doing like really grown up things. Really and, adult things. And you know, Biggie well, they were. obviously had been doing adult things yeah. since he was 12. Like yeah. selling drugs is an adult is game. It? Yeah, absolutely. Or it should be at least. No, it certainly is. And specifically like, I mean, like within the context of like <clears throat> the 90s and bed you know, like, yeah, like shit was not easy. It was not, it was not a, it was not a, um, a place in which was kind to a child. No, uh, like New York, of, pre New York, Rudolph Giuliani. Yeah. I mean, I used to, I went to New York. The first time I went to New York City was in 1993. Mm-hmm. And it was sketchy. Yeah. I, the subway was sketchy. Yeah. Um, you could still get a good mixtape, though, out of someone's coat. <laughs> like, buy a... You get some fire mixtapes. Some heat. Some heat. Some heat. Hey, dog, can you... Can you, you like you like rap music? And a music? rolly. And a, and a rolly. rolly. 
I mean, absolutely. Um, just the boosters. Dudes like with their with their disc mans wanting you to play you their music. Those yeah. yellow sports ones, remember those? Mm-hmm. Okay. And they'd ask for like a dollar and they'd give you a freestyle. Yeah. Yeah. That was those were the days. Um, so then let's backtrack again a little bit because now we're bringing a third character into yeah. the mix before before we see how they all play, you know, into play. Mm-hmm. Um. Kim, Kimberly Denise Jones. Kimberly Denise Jones, the Queen Bee. <laughs> the Queen Bee. She was born in 1974, so she's a little bit younger. Mm-hmm. Um, known as Lil Kim. She was born and raised in Brooklyn and mm-hmm. grew up in Bed-Stuy as well. Mm-hmm. She was, um, basically she was kind of raised by her dad. And at the, the age of nine, her, her parents split up and she grew up with her dad. She mm-hmm. had a really tumultuous relationship with her dad. And she was kicked out of the house by her dad, probably for some tomfoolery and some mm-hmm. tomfuckery of some kind. I'm assuming. Um, Have to be. And she dropped out of high school and she's actually started living on the street. No way. Yeah. I didn't know that either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, when she was a teenager, she met Biggie. So she knows. This was, so and this she, was, was this before Biggie was signed to. This the is before Bad Boy? Biggie was shit. This is, so they were like, they go way back. They go way back. Way I mean, back. She, they were both teenagers. They were both teenagers. They knew each other from Bed Stuy. Yeah. They she, were like you know, old neighborhood homies. Yeah. She was yeah. an around the way girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> In an around the way and, world. And, and, and my suspicion is that they probably had something going on earlier like you know maybe they'd hooked up or they'd yeah. flirted or whatever yeah. they, there was there was history there there was some will you love me tomorrow type situation yeah, going there, on exactly absolutely there had been you know and i've heard interviews with kim uh and with people you know that knew them from back then mm-hmm. that have said yeah they always knew each other there was always a thing they were on again off again yeah so they they were involved mm. um they were very much so so in 1994, just shortly after um, Faith and Biggie got married, actually, let's go back to um, the couple. Let me let me wind it back. Um. Okay, so on August 4th, 1994, um, Faith Evans and, and Biggie got, got married. Five days. Three weeks. Th- after three weeks. Three weeks. Of... They just met. Yeah. Five days after they got married, Christopher Wallace, Biggie, had his first pop chart success as a solo artist with a double A side, Juicy and Unbelievable, which reached number 27 as a lead single to his debut album. That is like an unbelievable way to start a marriage. Let's find it back. Yeah. That really is. This, album this is came out right after right they, after they got married. That's crazy. I mean, like, they've known each other a month. A month at this point in time. And then she's like, my man is like on top right now. Like, oh my God. It was all a dream. I used to read. Yeah. That's craziness. That's crazy. Then Ready to Die was released September 13th, 1994. So a, later. a, a month later, like yeah. just a you know, little while yeah. later. Reached number 13 on the Billboard 200 chart That's and crazy. eventually was certified four times platinum. So he had like one record out. I mean, had he had he had the mixtape out and then he released. Oh, oh shit. Oh. Check it out. Yeah. Oh. Obviously, this is like 
be fucking cut. Yeah. Yeah. Isley Brothers sample. Mm-hmm. I like this. In the back. Sean Combs was really good at picking a sample. He Actually, did. you know what? He may be the best. At picking a sample? Ever. I mean, absolutely. I mean, like, these... It's crazy how a song as 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 popular as that uh, Izzy Brothers original track uh, "Beneath the Sheets," right? Yeah. Um, it, uh, between the between, sh- the, between sheets. the sheets. Between the sheets. Sorry. Uh, from the sheets. From the to sheets the beats. to the beats. It all comes full circle. Yeah. As as crazy as that original Izzy Brothers uh, track "Between the Sheets" is, uh, and as popular as it as it was, like I mean, like that beat is so synonymous yeah. with Big Pop. Yeah. Like. Absolutely. And and like I said, well, because like, you put that like synth gangster yeah. lead over it, oh. and it like gives it a whole new identity. Also, you know who I do love who did who used that track, Gwen Stefani. Oh yeah, Gwen Stefani. Uh, yeah, glamorous. Yeah. And what was it called? Um, Wasn't it? This like, something life. Payback. Payback. Yeah. Yeah. Payback. That was a cut. The payback. Not yeah, that was back. that was yeah that was cute. Yeah. I was not mad. Shout out whatsoever. To you, Gwen. That was a good one. Shout out to Gwen. Good one. Um, so I mean that that was just a crazy time, you know, for for her to be thrown into this mm-hmm. relationship with this man who was just coming up, really breaking through. Breaking and that crazy success was right his out of the gate. Only album no that came out during his lifetime. Are you kidding me? A hundred percent. I'm not what? kidding you. The only album that like I. And Rolling Stone went on to say this album almost single-handedly shifted the focus back to East Coast rap. It absolutely um, did. At the time when West Coast hip hop was prominent and on the on the US charts. I yeah. mean, you know. I mean NWA was NWA, like running Ice everything. Cube, Ice Cube, like you know, all Tupac. those people. Yep. That was that was it. <clears throat> yeah. That's crazy. 100%. I mean, like I had no idea I I had no idea that, that was his only actual like like album that he released when he was alive. While he was alive, and that's crazy. And so but because the singles, um, "Juicy Big Papa," which reached mm-hmm. number one, and then "One More Chance," the remix with Faith on it, a loosely related remix of one of the album's tracks, mm. uh, became its best-selling single. Yeah. It's like one of those songs that like you feel like I feel like there's a class of songs that like make you feel like you want to be like on top of like a sand dune wearing like a like a flowing like like linen shirt like a crop top a crop top and like a flowing linen shirt and like a drawstring pants and just like standing like basically you want to look like, like Aaliyah Janet, in the early, video yeah. for Rock the Boat well, pretty much yeah I mean always I guess <laughs> uh, yeah I mean that was a monster cut that was a monster jam um in August 1995, um, so while at the same simultaneously, mm-hmm. Faith was recording her solo album mm-hmm. at the same time because that's what simultaneously means. Yes, I don't know if y'all knew that. Word of the day, folks. Simultaneously, simultaneously, simultaneously. As it's more, the Americans say simultaneously. That's, that's the way in which, yeah, yeah. When, in in America's in America in, in Bush's America. In Bush's that's America. how we say that's that. how we say that. Simultaneously, um, at the same time. Uh, Biggie was working on Junior Mafia's one yes. and only album. Because correct Kim. me if I'm wrong, because I remember reading this a long time ago that Biggie actually didn't really want to do like music full time. Like he wanted to like release a couple more records and then retire doing that and then focus on 
like making Junior Mafia like a big deal and like supporting he, Kim. Yeah, he wanted to. He wanted to like because he was ghostwriting a yeah, lot of that. Yeah, he was stuff. ghostwriting everybody. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, and I've heard that Kim did do a lot of the writing, a mm-hmm. lot of her own writing, mm-hmm. but um, Biggie was writing a lot of the. Well, yeah, Junior I mean, Mafia like we cuts. do know. I mean, like he kind of helped make her sound a thing. Like, yeah. For sure. I mean, there would be no Kim without... I mean, like, Kim, obviously, is a And he was and really behind her, thing, her but, Like, 100%. he was super behind her. Yeah, like, she was... And made sure that she was a success. Yeah. Which is crazy. Which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, at the same time, basically, Faith's album and Junior Mafia's album, respectively, mm-hmm. you know, Faith and Conspiracy, they came out, like the same month in 1995. Really? Yeah. And oh, he had wow. worked on both of those. I guess they're two separate completely different records so they weren't like in competition were they? No. And they were on different I guess they were on different labels? No. Was she? Were they, they were all the bad boy. They were all bad boy. Yeah. Which is crazy. So obviously the, the Conspiracy album um, featured Biggie on a lot of mm-hmm. like especially like oh Big my god. Big Mama Thang. Yeah. I mean, just absolute <laughs> classic. Yeah, I mean, this is like started out on that, like the front of it. Yeah. Um, and that was the only album Junior Mafia ever ever released. Mm-hmm. They kind of all went there. Like Lil Kim did her thing. Her Lil C's yeah. went went off. Well, and I mean, did like because like shortly after that record came out was when he, you know, unfortunately passed. Right. I mean, and they kind of just never. A couple years, a couple after, years later, yeah. yeah. So they never really had a follow up to that. But during that time, uh, so shortly after, and then Faith's album came out, obviously, um, which had two. You know, mega smash singles on it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as I get home. Come on, Faith. I mean, time. Okay. I mean... So, baby... Uh, uh, okay. I mean, just a huge R&B. And this is at the time when hip-hop and R&B and R&B hip-hop was they were everything. Not, yeah, I mean, they were... There was nothing... There was nothing else. There was I mean, nothing there was, else. There was, like, yeah. alternative... There was, al- there was yeah. grunge. There was grunge and... But that was, that was really pretty much it, it, you know? Like Yeah, this was this, this was, was everything. This was it. I yeah. mean That's a classic, classic jam. Such a classic jam. Oh god. Um so in nineteen ninety six, Biggie and and um and Faith had a child together. Their one and only child, Christopher Jordan Wallace, who actually plays Biggie in the movie, which I have not seen. He plays him like the full he, movie? Yeah. Oh, crazy. <laughs> yeah. I still haven't seen that movie either. I know. I haven't either. I know. I um, just watch it. And um, that sort of, and then so, and then uh, Biggie started hooking up. They they were he, you know, was cheating on Faith. There with was a whole Kim. thing with Kim, with Charlie Baltimore, with other with Charlie females. Baltimore. Yes. Did I didn't you know, know that. I did not Tiffany. know that. Ah. Uh. 
I love Charlie Baltimore. Like she was one yeah, of my favorites. She's pretty unsung. Uh, the absolutely like that her verse on uh, down ass bitch or down ass chick. I can't remember which one it actually is. It's the one. This is no intention to being offensive to women uh-huh. by calling y'all bitches. Yeah, I mean her verse on that one is fucking. It's fire. It's fire. I do love a Charlie Baltimore. So he definitely, like, Mr. Wallace definitely had a thing for talented women. Talented women, absolutely. Um, So that that kind of broke up the marriage. They never got divorced. Faith and and Big never got divorced, um, but they they were separated this time. Mm -hmm. And um, that's when the sort of East Coast, West Coast thing started to sort of heat up. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm actually going to play an excerpt from an interview (laughs) with... Faith, where she sort of t- touches on the Tupac thing, because there was a, there was rumors, there was this rival, you know, Park and Biggie, classic were, were friends, beef, yeah, and then they there was like some beef, and apparently Faith was at the center of this. But this is what she had to say about it. Okay, hey, I'm talking, I'm here, I'm here. Get to the point. All right, what's the situation with you and Biggie? What's the situation with you and Tupac? The L.A. situation. What's going on? Whoa, all right, you got to start any? at one point. Okay, I'm going through okay. all of it. I, okay, situation with me and Tupac, there really never was. A situation. I mean, we met. He was really nice. He asked me to work on his album. He told me he could get, you know, get it approved or whatever, you know, get clearance from the label. And then I found out that he probably couldn't. I was out there working with another group. You know, I won't name them. They they have nothing to do with that, bro. Okay. Um, and I was writing for them. That's how I met him. I did a reference vocal for another group I won't name. Okay. <laughs> She's not naming names. She's not naming names. They ended names. up that they were trying to try to use the vocal like, for that like, vocal. Like all the stories and so I none of the names. And none of the names. Whatever. I really don't know. But <laughs> then I come back home and the first Everybody thing talk. I hear it has nothing to do with his record is that me and him were like involved or whatever. That's not true at all. I mean. It was strictly business, no pleasure. It wasn't even business. It would have been business, but it never got that far. It was, I only it was saw you and maybe, somewhere else, and then it was moved on to his project, supposedly. Pretty much. Okay, okay. It never was moved on, and my voice is not on his album. <laughs> there you go. Well, there. That's the beginning, middle, and end right so, there. So, I mean, who really even knows? Who knows? What happened? Um. Has she never really kind of like spoken more beyond that? She she actually has a book out. Oh, does called she? Keep the Faith. Oh, have you have you? Well, actually, I'm gonna read. It? Let me read an excerpt from it. Oh, I love a good excerpt. Oh my god, this excerpt is is it juicy? It's it's so Just juicy. juicy. Okay, uh, it, it's a bit lengthy, but let, let me let me let me let me let me go. Are you gonna do it in like a faith voice? No, please. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like. <laughs> I don't want. I don't know what got into my head, but I decided that I needed to know once and for all what Big was really trying to do on that night before Christmas. I drove to Big's house. No, I'm like I'm like Real Housewives of New Jersey right now. I drove to Big's house on a mission to find out where I was really where I really stood. The security guard at the gate just waved me in when I pulled up. Mm-hmm. It was Christmas Eve, and she'd seen me come into the complex with the kids, so I guess she didn't think anything of it. I parked in the rear of Big's townhouse and walked up to the garage. It was locked. I hadn't been over to Big's house a whole lot, but I did know that you jiggle the garage door a certain way and unlock it. So she knew. And this is like a platinum artist at the time? Oh, yeah. It was just a jiggly garage door with just she, like, yeah. okay, well, shit. I got into the garage where there was an elevator that would take me to both floors of Big's duplex. There I was rocking a black scully cap, and she's giving you details, and a heavy <laughs> goose down jacket. Tiptoeing. So she- so she was like, she was dipped. She, she was, was looking good. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
tiptoeing into the elevator and pressing the button to go up to the second floor where his bedroom was located. I got to Big's bedroom door, turned the knob, and went inside. As soon as I saw a small lump <gasps> next to Big's large frame, oh, I flew into a rage. I ran over to the side of the bed and pulled back the covers. I grabbed some chick out of the bed and started beating her ass at some point. The chick's wig came off in my oh, hand. No. It was a short cropped wig. I stopped oh. throwing punches for a minute and uh, to get a good look at the chick I was beating up. It was Lil Kim. No. She was completely butt naked, yelling as I pushed her around the room. So you're not fucking her right? I screamed at Big. Yeah, you're not messing Jesus. with her anymore, right? <laughs> right. When they heard all the commotion, Cease, D-Rock, and Gutter came running into the room. Oh, Are, shit. They yelled in unison. It's Faye. How the hell did she get in here? Um, oh, my God. Big set up in bed and pointed at Kim. Blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it goes on. Um, then she, is, she, what? That's ridiculous. Then so she ends on this. Um, oh, she says, I thought it was all about Tiffany, which is Charlie Baltimore. Uh-huh. You still, still messing with Kim, too? Big had nothing to say. I have to say I actually felt some pity for Kim. Big had a wife, and she settled for messing with him. That's crazy. This reminds me of like when Chris Brown went to that Lakers game with Rihanna on Christmas <laughs> and left Cruci at home. Oh. oh, that was fucked up. That was. I mean, like this is. Oh, that's a crazy story. That's yeah. a crazy story. It was a crazy story. So then. Um, Let's, what does Kim? What does Kim have? Does Kim have? Has Kim ever like told her her side of this story at all, like, of like of that incident at all? Or has that ever been spoken about? Um, she's been more elusive about it, I think. Okay. Um, but basically, so in 1997, um, that was in like around 1996, I believe. Okay. So then this East Coast West Coast thing was really heating up. Um, Tupac had been killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, about six months prior to, to now and um it was at an all-time like i mean it was really heated yeah it was really like i mean i was living in la at the time and there was a lot of aggression on the radio yeah there was not a lot of east coast artists getting played at all it's at such all. a it's so crazy that like i mean because obviously I, I remember um kind of listening to the radio back then and i actually wasn't really like i guess about 90 what was that 96 97 i was yeah um, we were very Tupac centric on yeah, the yeah, West Coast, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean it's crazy, you know. Like I remember kind of getting a lot of a lot of a lot of Biggie, and yeah. also getting a lot of. I mean, because you were mid, you were in I was, Minneapolis. I was, I was in no, I was in Kansas City. Oh, you were at that Kansas time. City, yeah. Um, caught in the middle, caught in the middle, and you got a, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of both at the time. Yeah, so. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, and, and obviously, like, with family here, every time I was here um, in, in L.A. and in, in San Diego, um, yeah, lots of, lots of, lots of that. Lots of beef was for dinner. Yeah. Um, so Tupac had been shot, I think he was in New York at the time, mm-hmm. pretty sure, yeah. And on March 7th, um, Biggie went, came to L.A. to pre- present an award to Tony Braxton at the 1997 Soul Train Music Awards in, in Los Angeles, and he was booed mm-hmm. at the event. Crazy. Um, yeah, people were not happy about his presence. People were really um, and their feelings about this. Yeah, they, they and they felt 
he was responsible and involved. And, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I remember like when that when all that went down and like and even I was like people I was like tiny, you know. Like, I just remember like people being like, "Man, fuck Biggie, fuck Pac," you know. You did blah blah. I was just like, yeah. He's like really, you know, like come on now. Um, so the next day they were attending an after party kind of vibe uh, from Vibe magazine, <laughs> <laughs> Vibe vibes. Um, and Faith was there, Aaliyah was there, Diddy was there, and some members of the Bloods and Crips were there. Uh-huh. Um, so that night around 12.30 a.m., Biggie was leaving. I mean, in this whole, we could do a whole show about the night of, and yeah. Biggie we and really the could. whole thing. We really could. Um, but he was getting in his car and uh, left the event and a Chevrolet Impala SS pulled up alongside the SUV and uh, put four bullets in him. Jeez. And 24 he, years old. 24 years old. That's just... It's, it's crazy. It's so, so bananas. But then the crazy thing is, 16 days after his death, his double disc second album came out mm. called uh, Life After Death. Life after I mean, these album titles. Yeah. And it was number one, and it's the... I think it's the highest selling hip hop album of all time. Really? Certified Diamond. I did not know that. Maybe that's not true. Maybe. <laughs> it's definitely got to be up there. Yeah. Um, because people don't really go Diamond anymore. No, because no one like sells no, no yeah. one sells albums like that anymore. Um Um so after that Biggie and Faith uh, I mean um uh Sean Diddy Sean. comes and Faith got together and um recorded this song as a tribute. Oh, I thought to you were him. about to say that they like got together. I was like, no, no. they did not. Oh, yes. This song was this song was number one for eleven weeks. Eleven weeks. That's eleven crazy. weeks. That's a long time. That is a long time. Yeah. And I they mean, won a Grammy for it. Yeah. I remember when they performed this at like I think it was the, the American VMAs. Music Awards or was it the VMAs? I think it was one of the two. Yeah. Yeah. And they had like a choir. So, yeah, it was super emotional. Yeah. 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 That's a classic jam right there. It's a classic. Um, so I'm gonna wrap it up on like a cup, like a little sad note, and then sort of like a bit of a sweet little thing, which is. Um, Kim, you know, and Biggie had had like a really long, tumultuous, up and down, serious connection. They obviously loved each other yeah, very deeply. Yeah, obviously. In the middle of recording hardcore, and Kim had been gone for like a day and got on the phone. I'm like, what are you sick? She's like, no, not exactly. I'm like, what are you pregnant? She's like, yeah. And I'm like, oh my God. She didn't have to tell anybody. Everybody knew. You could look at her and tell she didn't want to do anything. She was laying in the house. We already knew, you know, who it was. She told me who it was. It was Biggie. She told Biggie, and his first reaction was, you know, not right now. It's not good for the business. It wasn't like he was encouraging her to keep it. I told her, if it's love and you just want to do your whole love relationship thing, then go ahead. But if you do this career thing, make this album, go on the road, promote, you need to make a decision either way. I didn't like the whole situation, and I just left it up to her. That's Kim's mom. To just okay. make the, the final decision. And, you know, next time I got a call from her, she's Who like, okay, I'm going to have an abortion. I gave her some Producer. money. Okay. And, you know, next time I know, she was, it was done. I think to this day, she wished she would have had it, but she couldn't do it. It wasn't her time. I can tell that a part of Kim died that day. It ain't a day of my life that goes by that I don't get high. Yeah. Back and walk it's crazy, like, and too, I mean, like, 
How she was super young when all this happened too. She was 19 years old when the Junior Mafia album came out. Oh my yeah, God. 19. I mean, she was yeah, she was a fucking teenager when this when the whole when abortion Maf- situation happened. And I mean, she would have been too. early 20s, like really oh, early 20s. Man, that just yeah. breaks my heart. Like, I mean, it's already like a really shitty situation. Like, regardless of age, you know, to like have to be in that situation and and feel that you kind of need to do something like that and have to go through it. Yeah. But specifically to do so, so young and also with so many eyes on you, too. I mean, that's that's so bananas. And um, then and then the next and then to for him to be taken like so shortly thereafter and to realize that like, oh, you know, yeah. you almost it's, it's just so sad. It's uh, yeah. You kind of you kind of always remove the fact that they were just like in their early 20s at the time. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Um, so then to, to wrap it up, like this year, 2006, or like last year, 2016. Mm-hmm. Last year. It's, keep forgetting about the fact yeah. that. It's like the first two months of 2017 that you always kind of are like, oh yeah, you know, like next you year. You keep saying next year all the time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. Um, so Kim, uh, Faith introduced Lil' Kim at the Hip Hop Honors Awards, and she said... The posters for her, do al- the, her do- debut album were unforgettable. She brought sexy to hip-hop first. Lil' Kim's debut album, Hardcore, was the beginning of a new era for freedom of female MCs. She turned sex into power and made no rules. But first and foremost, Kim was an incredible MC. Hello. Yeah. She yeah. had to be. Her mentor and collaborator, the Notorious B.I.G., was one of the greatest MCs ever, if not the greatest. She matched his wits and earned her respect. Absolutely. So, you know, she gave her this That's nice cute. intro and then Kim yeah. said at the end of the day, we're family, whether we like it or not, but we've always been fans of each other's music. I think we really are sisters in a certain sense. And um, I'm a part of the estate. She's a part of the estate. We're both a part of Biggie and we both share a lot in common. Oh, so so they've they've kind of they've come to amends. Yeah. And they're part of this like they're part of this, this, this story, the story that is the notorious B.I.G. Well, yeah. hey. Yay. Yay. So, hope we all learned something today. I hope so. <laughs> and I hope like what we said made any sense. I mean, I think it did, and I feel good about it. I, I'm excited <laughs> to do this whole thing. Uh, it'll obviously like um, continue to like take shape. Oh, one good thing uh, that we wanted to provide as like a means to further um, kind of satisfy. supplement and satisfy this uh this podcast is um we have a we have like a weekly play or like a regularly updated playlist for every episode yeah there's um, like there's an accompanying playlist yeah so it'll be on spotify it's like the context of sound playlist look for it find it um and uh, subscribe to it and it'll be refreshed every time there's a new episode and i think i'm gonna put it on apple music too yeah we should put it on apple music as well we'll put yeah. it on all of the things on the, all on of the, the things, mi- on the, all except, things for except for title except for title because what is that? I don't know how to use that. I don't know how it works either. Um, but um, yeah, it'll be on there and it'll just be kind of all the songs that we talk about. Um, and then also some other ones that uh, we don't. So the ones, some ones that kind of like either speak to the, the topics that we're discussing. So, you know, like we'll have mm-hmm. like those the Leah tracks and the, you know, like the Ike and Tina Turners and things like that. So um, look forward to it because it'll be fun because I, I think both of us really enjoy making playlists. Yeah. Um, so uh, it's, it's probably my favorite part. Of, well, you're of really good thing. at it. Yeah. Thank you. That means a lot. I do like me. And playlists. also you, you kind of 
you have a job where you like sit in front of a computer all day. That is true. I listen to a nothing. lot of music <laughs> doing nothing. I really do just stare at a computer. No, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. Um, but no, I do literally have like headphones and Android music playing at like like 18 out of 24 hours. Yeah. Um, so playlists or something that I make like for fun, like a nerd. Um, so, I mean, this is, this is, um, it'll be good. So subscribe to that. It'll be updated with every episode. Is it going to be just context of sound or the context of sound? Context, the context of sound, the context, the context of, of, sound. of sound playlist. Is what and then also if you want to email us, you know, if you have any like suggestions, like if we fucked up somehow, or, like, yeah, if, if you have corrections, which I'm sure you probably will, because like God knows that I probably said like a thousand wrong things. Um, you can. Uh, what's the email address? Uh, it's contextofsound at gmail.com. Contextofsound. Just contextofsound. No, the. I'm going to 100% check so that. So should the playlist just be called Context of Sound <laughs> Playlist as well? Should the podcast just be called Context of Sound? I, th- I mean, like, yeah, let's just remove the the, you know? Right? Okay. Yeah. You, we just removed the the. We just removed the the. We're like Spice Girls. We are the, like the Spice they're, they're Girls. Not the they're not spice the Spice girls. girls. They are Spice Girls. Yeah. But yeah, so we have that. So uh, contextofsound.com. Uh, .com. Context of sound on your Spotify's and Twitter's and, and Twitter's and things. <laughs> and um, then email us at, at, at contextofsound. And, and also you have to like obviously rate and subscribe and things of that nature. Uh, let us know uh, if you like us. And then like if there's things that we should talk about, um, we'd love to hear yeah, feedback. Yeah, if you have any ideas for themes or... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like we we've got some really funny things uh, that I think we want to talk about and fun and excited, interesting things. So I hope like uh, it it was entertaining and stuff. Um, I'm excited. Totally. For yeah. All so, right. Peace out. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Your family, I'll fill your dreams. In the future, can't wait to see if you open up the gates for hey. me. Reminisce sometime. Try to black it out, but it plays again. When it's real, feelings hard to conceal. Can't imagine all the pain I feel. Give anything to hear half a breath. I know you're still living your life after death. Every Such a cut. Day, every time you pray, I'm missing.